Was it good? Was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater, too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On Backstage Babble. Hi, this is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. And today I am thrilled to welcome my guest, Tony winner Melba Moore. Melba Moore will be returning to the New York stage on March 15th and 16th in her solo show, From Broadway with Love, at 54 Below. Tickets to that show are available at the link in the episode description. Melba Moore is a Tony winner for her performance as Ludie Bell Gussie Mae Jenkins in the musical Pearly, and her other Broadway credits include Hair, Les Mis, Innocent Black, and Timbuktu. And now, without further ado, here's Melba Moore. <laughs> well, so I'd love to start us off by asking you, how did you first become interested in theater and performing? Total accident. Uh, um, my first profession was as a public school music teacher. And my my parents were entertainers. And at a certain point, um, after they, you know, re- really made it clear to my sister, my brothers, and myself that they wanted us to get real jobs and not be entertainers like them. Uh, I said, that's wonderful, but um, that's your dream, it's not mine. I, 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 I love teaching and everything, but I want to see if I could be a performer. And so my dad took me around to some of his agents and and um, colleagues to see if I could get into the industry. I met a lot of different people, but one of the persons that really helped me a lot was Valerie Simpson. And she was just starting her career off. Um, uh, she was uh, trying to sell her, her songs and get started as that. But she was also singing jingles and doing backup work and studio work. And so she, we exchanged um, numbers and she invited me to come uh, sing on some recording sessions, and that was my entree into the industry. But one of the recording sessions was for the Broadway musical Hair, and its music director, Galt McDermott, and he was doing his own version of the music from the Broadway musical Hair, and they were still casting, so they invited everybody on the recording session to come and sing for the director and the producer. Nobody on the date wanted to be in theater but me. I said, well, I don't know, but I, you know, I, I don't have any experience. And they said, well, we'll teach you. It's okay. I had a wonderful director, Tom O'Horgan. We did all these kinds of, you know, exercises. You know, we learned how to trust each other. Anyway, they, they um, were looking for interesting types, more so than experienced actors. And so I was lucky. So I was able to get into that incredible show, which, of course, broke all the rules. It was the first Broadway show that to, to uh, use rock music as, as the basic music. Um, they had, there was a nude scene. <laughs> um yeah. It was the first place where I, as an African-American, were allowed to wear my hair in a natural. As a school teacher, I had to straighten my hair. It was against their, their dress code for me to wear my own natural hair. So I'm, I guess I'm ex- explaining a few of these things because to, to get into the industry with no experience and, and to have your first experience be, well, from recording uh, backup to um, 
a revolutionary Broadway musical like Hair is, is extraordinary. Mm. <laughs> and did you have sort of vocal training early on or did your voice come more naturally to you? Uh, I, I, my, my voice um, was natural, of course, but I was a vocal major. I taught music. I taught, I taught vocal music. So I was very well trained in vocal music. Mm -hmm. yeah. Probably would not hear or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, not, not as a recording artist. So my, my parents were musicians, but um, I, I, had, I didn't have any, any um, experience in, in, um, as being a musician or being an actor or, or being um, you know, a performer at all. And how do you find the discipline of being in a show eight times a week to be different from the kind of life you lead as a recording artist? And is there one you prefer to the other? They're very, very different. The kind of discipline that you have for theater is, well, it's like a difference between military and, you know, vacation. Excuse me, vacation. Because, uh, I mean, just, just the difference between the Broadway musical Hair and the second Broadway musical I was blessed to do, Pearly, um, Hair, uh, really wasn't a, a story. It was a series of vignettes put together. First of all, they were very, very revolutionary and creative in how they did everything. Uh, and so I wouldn't describe it as a discipline. I think they had knowledge and talent about how to do things. And they were good at experimenting. They were talented at that. Uh, Jim Rado and Jerry Ragney were trained, but they broke every rule. <laughs> so I, I, I'm sure that they are, were disciplined. But the way that I think you're asking me, I would relate it more to when I went to Pearly and I, I played a character like in, in, in uh, Hair. Um, we we were part of what we call the tribe. That meant you played a variety of different situations. You may have been given a, a character's name, but you did a lot of kind of different things. It was kind of free and flowing. But here, no, I, I played a Southern uh, uh, bumpkin, which meant I had an accent. I had to keep it. I couldn't drop it. I couldn't change. So it's very, very, very much disciplined. And uh, there was a story. You can't change the story. I mean, we could make things up in here. <laughs> if they worked, it was very experimental. Um, and that I don't think is discipline. I think it's just talent and creativity. Uh, so by comparison to that, uh, Pearlie was a Southern preacher, uh, really kind of basically made a stereotype of some of the types of, of uh, Black stories we had seen at the time uh, about racism and about tr trying to get, you know, your, your place in life. And of course, there's always a romantic story to it. But all the characters were very, very, very much set and you had to try to set a standard and keep it. And to me, that was an incredible discipline because I didn't study acting. I, <laughs> I said, my God, well, which way is stage left? <laughs> <laughs> so to me, that's, I think with, with theatrical acting, there's a great, great, great discipline that's, that's needed. And how did Pearlie first come about after Hair? Oh, uh, I was in Hair and... Um, the way that I got it was, you know, kind of unusual. So um, after I'd spent a lot of time in, in hair and made friends, one of the girls reminded me that um, I really was an actress. I was not an actress. I, I didn't know how to audition, but I was in a hit Broadway show and I could learn these things now while I had the time. And um, she told me about auditions for um, 
Pearly because she, she said, you know, you didn't audition to get into this. Why don't you at least go and make the rounds and see what it's like, see see where to even go. You don't even know where to go. <laughs> and so uh, I was trying to learn how to audition, but I got the part. And that's how I got my second Broadway show. Right. Wow. And what was it like to work with Ossie Davis and the director, Philip Rose, and the sort of creative team? I didn't work with Ossie Davis. He did the original, which was called Pearly Victorious. And in the movie, the movie that they had done first was called Gone Are the Days. But I was fans and stars of, of Miss Ruby D. I would lick their shoes if I could have had a chance. <laughs> but I, I, I never got the chance to work with them that way. But of course, Ozzy wrote um, the, the book for Pearly, um, the, the the straight play and, and the Broadway musical. The, the book was the same. Right. But they brought in Gary Gale and um, uh, uh, Peter Udell. Peter Udell to write the music and compose the music and create the you know the the songs for the characters and all, all of that. So they they but it was still the original book. And what was it like to have the experience of winning the Tony with that role and gaining so much kind of acclaim for it? Well, I'll say it was exciting, but th there aren't words. It was it was so amazing. Um, first of all, I re I remember a little bit of it uh, because it was shot for television. The lights were on in the theater. I said, "Oh my God, I can see the people in the audience. This is really going to be scary." <laughs> and I think I saw Pearl Bailey. I saw Rex Harrison. I saw faces. I saw Lauren McCall. I saw faces that I've only seen in the movies. I was like, oh my God, they're looking at me. I'm going to forget everything. And I had to just kind of shut down and focus. And I, I never prepared a speech or anything because I, I didn't want to think about it. It was how I was too excited. I'll say excited, but it was exciting to the point where I was scared because I was trying to learn how to stay in my character, learn how to be an actress. Uh, I was learning how to do a lot of things at the same time. So I, I just couldn't, I couldn't focus on the Tonys. And right. so... I'm glad it's on tape because I don't remember most of it. It was too exciting. <laughs> it was wonderful, though. It was so wonderful. But I can't tell you. And as a Black actress and singer at the time when the Broadway industry was not very diverse, were there sort of challenges that you faced in that respect? Or I didn't, but Philip Rose did. And Philip was somebody that should be really honored because he opened the way for, for black actors almost single-handedly. He he put on Raisin in the Sun, which of course uh, um, elevated the, the young woman, Lorraine Hansberry, who wrote it. And it put um, Sidney Poitier on, well, eventually on the map. He took the part and he developed it. And uh, um, he, they, he then took the, the role to, to film. But Philip Rose as a producer, face all kinds of difficulties. I remember our, our uh, play moving several, several times from different theaters because of the racism. They didn't want us to have a theater. Mm. So, I mean, people really went through a lot for us to be able to have a voice in, in the Broadway theater. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> well, they went on a line for it because I didn't even know the heck why I was. I was trying to make sure that I learned how to be an actress. Right. 
because you can't help but be uh, aware of the racism because you're black and you're a, you're a woman. <laughs> but I mean, I face that all the time, you know. <laughs> so I'm trying to put it in context for you. It's not that it was unimportant and you're aware of it, but trying to be an actress was so phenomenally scary and difficult. What, what, I, what seemed difficult, apparently I'm, I'm, I'm made for that because I didn't even have any training. And it's, it's not that it was easy, uh, but you had to focus. You couldn't think about some of the other things that were going on. Right. That makes sense. And your next Broadway show after that was um, Timbuktu, working with Eartha Kitt. And what was that experience like with her? And Another extraordinary experience. Extraordinary. I remember one day, I think Eartha brought a snake to work. <laughs> well, first of all, she was what you call a true diva. She did what she wanted, when she wanted, but she had earned the right to do that, you, you know. And Jeffrey Holder was from that same school. He um, directed and was a co-producer of uh, Timbuktu. Um, and I I can never remember the original play. Do you know the name of the, the original? I don't. I'm sorry. Well, one of the one, one of the things that will, will pique, I think, people's um, um, knowledge of, of it is songs like Stranger in Paradise was in it. Everybody will, not everybody, but because everybody's not that old yet. <laughs> but take my hand, I'm a stranger in paradise. Oh, you lost in a wonderland. So if you hear that, we called it Timbuktu because now it was, a, it was about an African uh, based story from Timbuktu. But it, it wasn't um, originally that. But working with Eartha Kitt was working with a true, 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 true. Diva. I mean, she was scary because she was so powerful and so confident. And um, I, I knew stage left from stage right, but not much more. So I didn't have a lot of confidence. But I know in retrospect, I really would. Well, first of all, she was an incredible dancer. So she was an athlete. So if you watch somebody work like that, even if they're wonderful actors, you can't help but see the grace and strength of, of, of the body. It's just there. And you see the strength of the era that she came from when, you know, Black people weren't allowed to do anything, but they did it anyway. I was like, oh, my God, what is this I'm into here now? And, of course, uh, um, Jeffrey Holder is like, what is he like? The fairy godfather. He'll make everything all right. <laughs> And he loved us all and was beautiful and was huge and was opulent. And I, I thought it was a wonderful opportunity for me um, because it was kind of semi-classical. And uh, Hair had been a rock musical. And, and Pearly was just country. Well, it was, I'm, I'm thinking about the music, but the type of it was just, just more... Um, your basic Broadway musical story. But I think Timbuktu was just so flowing and glamorous and rich and beautiful, like a fantasy. Yes. Yeah. And how do you decide sort of how long to stay with each production, whether it's Pearly or Timbuktu or? Well, well, um, I'm trying to think. Um, with the Broadway musical Hair, I, I found a manager, <laughs> an agent. Who helped me to uh, uh, figure out what, what my next projects were going to be? I shouldn't say that. That, that really didn't happen until Pearly. Uh, one of the girls in the, in the chorus of here told me about Pearly, and I got that. But after Pearly, 
I got a manager and an agent and um, I got a recording contract and I, I did my first album uh, called I Got Love. And um, I started to do, you know, all kinds of um, concert tours and um, television bookings and all of that. And that's how you decide which, what you're going to do next. And then uh, after Timbuktu, I, I, then I had a, a, a husband, a daughter, and a manager to help me choose what I was going to do next. <laughs> and were there stage roles that you turned down? Ever. Um, as a matter of fact, no. It just it seems that the way that things happen for me, I, I think after September two. Yeah, I really kind of basically started to get more into concerts and music and, and uh, recordings, and that took off so much. I've kind of focused basically on that. So if, if if I had spent time going around, making the rounds and auditioning, I'm sure I would have been turned down by somebody. <laughs> but I didn't think of it that way. It's just different things happen. I went on this this path instead of that one. So it let that way. As, as a matter of fact, right now, I'm looking to get back more into theater because actually what happened, I had some some real big challenges. Unfortunately, the person that, that I'm, I've been with for the last 10, 15 years his background was dance music. So for me, that was wonderful because I keep having these dance hits out and it keeps me current, it keeps me out. But now I'm trying to make an effort to actually really consciously get back into theater. That is great. Well, theater would be lucky to have you. Oh, please. I'd be lucky to have it. <laughs> <laughs> and another show that you starred in on Broadway was Innocent Black. And how did that sort of first start? Well, after I married and um, had started to have a family and my, my husband was my manager and he was a uh, professional business person. He owned restaurants and he managed some other artists. Um, he didn't have any background in theater, but he had someone write a theatrical piece for us to do called Innocent Black. So we were attempting to further go further in, in some theater. And why do you think that show didn't have as long of a run on Broadway? On Broadway, I don't even remember. <laughs> I think because because we didn't have a professional team together to, you know, you have to market it, you have to plan it, you have there's a lot of pieces that you put to it. And my husband and I were experimenting, trying to see what we could do, and we we didn't have a total. I don't think we had a proper total total team together. And do you like to read reviews of your own work or no? <laughs> Never do. I, I read some um, when we were doing Pearly because, well, it was such a success for me. And so I started to, to, I guess, kind of teach myself how to read the reviews and see what they were saying. And somebody said I sounded, they rem I reminded them of Mahalia Jackson. I said, who the heck did they see on the stage? <laughs> Mahalia Jackson. But I learned a lot from that because during that time, um, all the reviewers were male and white. And they, I now realize it was a great compliment because I was probably the only other black person they could relate to in that way. And it was, um, it, you know, I was singing loud and everything. So <laughs> it probably seemed like I was singing gospel. <laughs> but um, I learned a lot from learning the reviews to see, well, what, what are they seeing? You know, because I didn't have a frame of reference in terms of, why you read a review. Right. 
Everything was like from scratch, you know, everything. So, um, and then after that, I thought, well, I'm getting used to things. I got a lot of things I got to do. I'm not going to read the reviews. If they're not good, I, I won't know it. Yes. And another Broadway actor who you worked with mostly on screen, I think, was Clifton Davis. And what was it like sort of collaborating with him on a TV show? And Oh, well, we were romantically involved, so it was amazing. It was our first, both of our first television experiences. And so we were kind of like creating the format for the show and and uh, having a romance at the same time. And he was on Broadway and I was on Broadway. So everything was happening at, at one time. It was it was a little bit too exciting. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it was, I mean, looking back now, it was really extraordinary. It was wonderful to be in love, to be a TV star, to be, you know, learning on the job, <laughs> to be young, to still have, you know, fanciful dreams and starting to live them out. It's incredible. It really is. Yeah. And are there specific roles that you would want to play or would want to have played in theater? I'm going to get the chance to think about that now because uh, as I'm working my way back to theater, I'm going to have to know what it is I feel I can do. I mean, before I would have left it up to someone else because I didn't even know how to think like that. But now I kind of know what my body type is, uh, what my age is, um, what the the, um, the entertainment community is. And you can kind of place yourself in those things. And um, um, But I haven't been, you know, really involved with any straight up acting for quite some time. So what I would do first is get some coaching <laughs> and find out what they they see me as. You, you can know what you feel like, what you think. Sometimes I think you don't have any idea what you look like to other people. Right. So I would I would do some research and find out, you know, kind of where do I belong now? I'm not quite sure. I know um, if it's theater, I want it to be a musical. <laughs> yes. And the one last Broadway show of yours we haven't talked about yet is Replacing in Les Miserables. And what was that like oh. to come into that run? And Okay, that was just phenomenal and wonderful. Because um, Richard J. Alexander, who was doing the casting at the time, uh, saw me when I was trying to write and, and mount a one-woman play in a place called Hollywood, Florida. And I was kind of basically doing autobiographically. And um, because I have hit records now, nobody would know or care that I sing classical musical music. Right. But I was telling my story. And uh, I was talking about the time that I did my senior recital and how nervous I was and what happened. And, and of course, then I sing the song, you know, telling, telling the story. So he comes back after, after, after the show, and I thought he was going to help me you know, to give me, give me a real writer because I'm not a writer. <laughs> but he was very impressed with the piece in general. But the main thing he said was he did not know that I sang classical music. He just thought I was a great belter, especially so high and, and pearly. And he thought I was an incredible singer. And he loved the way I did the, the, the character. And uh, he promised me that he could get me the role of Fontaine in Les Miserables. And he said, I know you think I'm lying, but he went and he arranged it. And I got into it. The only difficulty I had was working with the in incredible, complicated sets. Mm -hmm. You can get killed by those sets. <laughs> I remember one night I got trapped in the sheet one time. I was supposed to be dying, come falling, you know, across the bed. And I was trying to fall out the bed, but I couldn't get out because I was stuck in the sheet. 
but doing the musical was just an absolute wonderful. First of all, I was comfortable with it because it's the kind of music that I do naturally. But uh, uh, I was the first bl uh, black person to do the role. So once again, I got that kudos for, for just being in the right place at the right time. Millie Miz was just such a plum. Right. And what has the process been like of putting together this show that you're doing in New York in March? Oh, it's just kind of a lot of reminiscing. And um, I'm going to have to get together with my music director to see how we're going to put them together and how they're going to pace and how I have to put the story together of how they happened. And that's basically it. But um, all the material is there. That's one thing I, I think is great. And yeah. um, I've done some tributes before to other great artists like Lena Horn, who's uh, um, not so well known as as a, a Broadway actress, but she did uh, violence. She's done theater. Basically, oh yes, I want to pay a tribute to another artist. I don't think I want to say who she is because I want it to be a surprise. But when people hear who it is, they're going, oh, I love it. But I want to <laughs> do a tribute to a couple of people that are just incredible people. But the other pieces are going to be from shows that I, I've done. Uh, I've done, uh, of course, we mentioned all of the shows, except people don't know that I did Chicago. I did Eight Misbehaving. You mentioned Brooklyn. And that's all I can remember right now. Right. <laughs> and... I'd be curious to know what the experience of the pandemic was like for you as an artist and as a person and kind of coming out of it now. Well, I got used to doing Zooms. <laughs> and the challenge to that was like trying to be a cameraman and a light person and do all of that was very challenging at first, but it's, it's not so much anymore. But that was the main challenge. And um, of course, being shut off from your live audiences yeah. And realizing that you better be very, 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 very careful to wear your mask and get your shots and stuff because it, I live in a, a, a lovely, quiet place and everything, but that's not what the world is. And so you must, you have to think differently. You have to understand that um, this could be your life if you, if you don't plan the right way and think of it the right way. It's concerning that, you know, that your life could be at stake this way. Yeah. And the final question I'd love to ask you is, with such a wonderful career, what advice would you give to someone just starting out? Just any someone? <laughs> <laughs> or as a performer? as a Well, of course, uh, prepare to be a good student and uh, learn wherever you are and um, uh, get as much experience as you can. Try to get some really good people around you. And if you can study your craft, please do that because... When you do, it's a, it's a little bit less shocking. <laughs> That's the main thing. If, if you can try to prepare by studying, right. you, you, it'll be more exciting as, as opposed to frightening. That is great advice. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. I hope you can tell I've enjoyed it. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Remember to buy your tickets to From Broadway with Love, and remember to come back next time when I will be joined by Tony-winning actress Marianne Plunkett, who is currently starring as Older Allie in Broadway's The Notebook. She's also starred on Broadway in Sunday in the Park with George, Agnes of God, Me and My Girl, A Man for All Seasons, and with Tony Randall's National Actors Theater, St. Joan, The Seagull, The Master Builder, and A Little Hotel on the Side.
Along with her husband, J.O. Sanders, she has also starred in Richard Nelson's theatrical cycles about the Apple family, the Michaels, and the Nelsons, most of which were produced at the Public Theatre. You won't want to miss that interview, so make sure to tune back in for that, and thanks for listening.